There's so much health advice out there, lots of different voices and opinions, but who can you trust? Trust the experts, the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them tough, intimate health questions so you get the answers you need. This is the Health Essentials Podcast, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician. I'm your host, Nada Yusuf. Children and teens often don't recognize their anxiety for what it is. Instead, they may think there's something wrong with them. Children and parents may focus on the physical symptoms of anxiety, like stomach aches or headaches. The first step is to teach your child about anxiety and how to recognize it. And that's why self-awareness is essential. Here to help us navigate this topic is Dr. Ethan Benur. Dr. Benur is a pediatric pain management psychologist here at Cleveland Clinic Children's. He currently serves as center head for Cleveland Clinic Children's Center for Pediatric Behavioral Health. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's a pleasure to be here. So Dr. Benur, let's start by asking, how can you tell if your child's anxiety might be more than just passing worries and fear? What is typical versus what is a uh, problem anxiety? What should we look for? It's a good question. So everybody has anxiety is, is, is how I like to start the conversation. I, I think there's three things that you want to pay attention to if you are starting to develop a, a concern for anxiety for your child. So the first is any uh, notable change in behavior or other um, symptoms or complaints. So this could be physical complaints, headaches, stomach aches, nausea, trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep, um, short temper, irritability, or for some kids, they become more quiet and removed. Uh, and uh, particularly when they're pressed to do something or to go somewhere. Uh, and then other efforts to avoid. Uh, a child's efforts to avoid something might actually be an indication that they're more anxious than uh, is helpful for them. Second thing would be persistent worry. So always being worried about school, always being worried about eating a certain thing. Uh, so if the child is repeatedly uh, mentioning concerns about uh, the same uh, topic, I, I would uh, be concerned. And then if the child is clearly distressed by their worry. So people get worried sometimes and they can shrug it off and move forward. If your child uh, is noting that they are also concerned about their own worry, then I would... Uh, look further into it and try to get some additional resources. So can you give us some maybe tips and advice on helping children recognize their own anxiety? Sure. So in terms of recognizing your own anxiety, the, the first thing that I tell people is that feelings are not bad. Um, so we want to be very uh, open about uh, expressing feelings. Feelings are just a quick way for our bodies to speak to us. So a feeling of anxiety means that there is a possible, and I'll underscore possible threat or uh, a challenge uh, for the body. And so you need to prepare your body to respond to this. Um, sometimes anxiety can be good. Uh, if you think about if, if uh, a friend is asking you to do something dangerous and you get that kind of feeling in your body that this might not be right, um, sometimes if you're if you're challenging um, yourself and maybe you shouldn't be doing it, that that anxiety or nervousness can be a good thing. Um, however, and sometimes anxiety is a false alarm. 
So you, one of the common examples that uh, kids experience is, is stress about a test. I usually get good grades. I might get a B or a C. Being upset or overly worried about that, um, you're, you're building up a lot of energy inside your body that you're not going to be using uh, effectively. And so thinking about anxiety as a signal, um, but it can be a false alarm is, is important. So I know we meant, you mentioned earlier that some kids withdraw when they are uh, anxious. Um, so how do we teach our kids to open up more about their fears and worries without making them more anxious? I would say talk. Uh, the, talking about feelings is important. And I think we often don't do this. And I think sometimes for school children, um, we expect that this will, be, this will be covered. Somewhere in school and health class, this will be covered. I think it's very important for parents to talk to their kids about feelings. Um, it, not treat this as taboo. Um, if, if you avoid talking about it, it sometimes sets the stage that maybe I, I shouldn't feel anxious, or maybe if I do feel anxious, I shouldn't talk about it. And we really want kids to, to put their feelings out in the open so that we can help them understand what's going on and learn appropriate strategies uh, to respond to this. Uh, I would also talk about your own anxiety uh, in a safe way. So I might talk with my child about anxiety I had about giving a talk at work or about um, confronting a coworker. I wouldn't talk with my child about um, uh, very serious uh, threats like losing my job or um, serious illness. So trying to talk about how you experience anxiety and how you cope with anxiety in, in a safe way that the child can learn from you. Excellent. So can you talk a little bit about what steps we can tell them to uh, to take or and to recognize their anxiety and move past these anxious feelings, what to think about, how to distract their own thoughts? Sure. So first step, I would say, is to label the feeling. Really put words to it so that it's not just a sensation inside the body. There are great resources out there. Uh, there are several uh, YouTube talks. Um, and videos about this. There's a, a nice feelings wheel that helps kids understand how to, how to really describe what that sensation is in their body. Mm -hmm. So step one is label the feeling. Step two is validate. Um, help the child understand that it, it's okay to feel that way and you can recognize um, that they feel that way and you felt that way um, at various times. So label the emotion, validate the emotion, and then you can encourage different ways to cope with the emotion. It might be a young child might just play to feel better. Uh, a child might do any type of comfort activity to soothe themselves. Your child might need to speak up uh, for himself or herself, or your child might, might need to be brave and really challenge themselves to do something even though they feel some anxiety. And young children might uh, react differently to this than teens? Is there a different approach when talking to, to young children versus maybe a reluctant teen to talk? I do. I do think there is some difference. With kids, I think it's easier to be straightforward uh, and teachable. This is what's happening inside your body. This is um, uh, the, the word that we use to describe it, anxiety, fear, worry, nervousness. And this is what I would recommend trying to do about this. I think with, with teenagers, but also with the tweens now, mm -hmm. 
um, it's difficult. There's a lot more ambiguity about how they feel. There are some ambivalence. I feel two feelings or three feelings at the same time. And so um, it's important for them to understand that you can have multiple feelings at once. Mm -hmm. It's also important to give them a little bit of space to allow them to deal with it on their own first. Mm -hmm. What you're doing there is um, giving them an opportunity to develop self-efficacy. The idea that I had this emotion, I responded appropriately, uh, my mom, dad were, were watching there, supporting me the entire time, but, but I've got this. And so I, I would take a, that approach with a teenager. You had mentioned about reluctant teenagers talking with you. And one of the things that I would recommend, um, whether, whether it's a child or a reluctant teenager, is uh, for a parent to come at it with um, a, a sense of humility. So, so be humble. This is not about your child rebelling against you. Uh, it is about you joining your child in their struggle to manage their emotions. And I think oftentimes as parents, we, we, are, we are very directive with our children. And so with emotions, when they're trying to understand this, if you can not look at it as, as, as butting heads, but as really joining your child in their own struggle to understand their emotions, I think you'll get much further. I like that. So be relatable, but at the same time, give them their space to cope with their own. Exactly. Fears. Exactly. Um, so yeah, can you go over the most common anxiety disorders in children that we as parents should be aware of? Sure. So um, there, there's a couple that I think uh, parents should be aware of. The first is generalized anxiety disorder. And this is just when a child is overly worried about a variety of things. Uh, they may be unable to calm down. They may seem restless. They may be irritable. They may have some sleep difficulties, but it, it would be that general level of anxiety that seems to affect uh, various aspects of their life. The, the second is more specific. So it would be considered a phobia. So this would be a specific item, a specific event, a place, an activity. Uh, think about children who are afraid of dogs, children who are afraid of being alone or afraid of new things, new activities, new places. And uh, the one thing that I would be uh, concerned of or, or pay attention to with that is, is also um, there are phobias that um, might not make as much sense to the child uh, or seem irrational. And then there are some fears that are related to trauma. And so I do think looking closer into um, any potential trauma that a child experienced is going to be important if you're thinking about any avoidant or fearful behavior uh, that a child is expressing. And when it comes to something like trauma, should we then, uh, you know, take them to some kind of therapy or is there kind of like more treatments for someone that's been uh, exposed to PTSD or any kind of trauma? Oh, definitely. So uh, I, I would, first I would encourage, I would want to guard the child's safety and ensure that the child is safe and help the child understand that they are currently safe in the present moment. Mm -hmm. But then yes, there are, there are very specific therapies for all of these anxiety disorders that I'm going over. Anxiety, because it is so prevalent, uh, actually has a number of uh, evidence-based treatments uh, for children, both medication, but also as a psychologist, non-medication strategies uh, that are helpful. Other than the social phobia, and we talked about trauma, uh, another is obsessive compulsive disorder. This is when a child has repetitive worry with 
a compulsion or feeling compelled to do some sort of behavior to reduce that feeling. Uh, and then the, the last is a panic disorder. And I think panic is important for children and parents to understand because it is, it is the, the, the feeling, the physical sensations of intense panic uh, without the, the thoughts or the worry that go along with it. And so people can get very distressed about the physical sensations when they don't really have a specific thought that they're worried about. They often um, describe it as, as, as someone pulling the fire alarm inside their body, but they don't really see a fire anywhere. Um, and I, I do think it's important that people treat anxiety disorders seriously. Uh, there is 7% of children that experience anxiety disorders, which is about the same amount as children who experience asthma in the school setting, much more than um, children that experience you know, sig uh, other medical conditions like diabetes or um, peanut allergies. 40% of us are gonna experience anxiety disorders at some point in our life. And I think childhood is an excellent time for children to start learning about their emotions, anxiety especially, and appropriate ways to deal with it. Excellent. And during this pandemic, mental health um, has been declining for many and for kids. So what can we do to help our children stay healthy when it comes to body, mind, and soul? So like when it, when it comes to physical symptoms, emotional symptoms, and behavioral. Sure. The, the, the first thing to do is, is it's easily said and it's often said, but in practice, I think everybody probably needs to work on this a little bit more. And this is just good, clean living. So this is make sure you're eating right, you're sleeping right, and you're exercising. I, I would encourage families to think about food as medicine. What are you putting in your body and how is that affecting how you feel? Mm -hmm. Poor sleep for children often increases stress, even physical stress on the body and can make it harder for them to manage emotions. So ensure your child is getting the appropriate amount of sleep um, and, and not feeling uh, disturbed or having any problems during the middle of the night. And then exercise is wonderful. It burns off some of the stress hormones that are built up um, when children are anxious. And it also creates some of the helpful chemicals that can uh, facilitate regulating or controlling people's moods. The, the second thing I would think about is regular practice of relaxation. And these could be lots of different uh, activities. So there are kids who just feel relaxed when they're reading, when they're playing video games, when they're, when they're looking uh, at their smart device. And yes, that's helpful um, to give them some space to feel calm and safe. Um, it's not exactly the same as relaxation training. Yoga and mindfulness get a lot of um, playtime on the media, but they are specific skills uh, that you can teach children that would be helpful. And one of the things I think about when I think about relaxation is uh, there was there's a common expression when I was growing up that parents who read have kids who read. So parents who take time to manage their own wellness, be it relaxation, yoga, anything like that, uh, will have a huge impact on their child's interest uh, and participation in these activities. I think the next that I would think about is developing a, a mindset for approaching anxiety. And so there's a, there's a lot out there on growth mindset for children. There's a lot of new uh, research on the idea of thinking about yourself as constantly growing, constantly evolving, and handling all of these challenges that come your way, not as evaluative, but as opportunities to grow. And that's very helpful for kids. 
I also think for anxiety, the, the mindset of being brave. When you are brave, you are doing something even though you're feeling anxious. And that's a, a very important step for kids to think about as they challenge themselves uh, when anxious. And, and the last is uh, a mindset of hope that um, even though you are struggling now, it will not last. The storm will pass and you can get through this. And so parents kind of modeling and encouraging an appropriate mindset for kids is gonna be important. Um, I, had, I had two others that I thought about um, as we were talking. One is encouraging self-reflection uh, and discussion about feelings. Again, this is a journey that your child is gonna be learning. So talking about feelings is helpful. Uh, we often talk a lot about math, a lot about science. Talking about feelings is also helpful. Giving children space to kind of explore their emotions, whether it's art, whether it's journaling, are very, very helpful. And, and talk about uh, both positive feelings as well as negative feelings. I, when I say that, I have to remind myself feelings aren't bad, um, mm -hmm. but talking about all of the variety of feelings that you have, I think will help children as they learn to navigate uh, that aspect of their life. And then the, the last one that I think about as a parent is to consider yourself being a good coach, um, not just a coach, but a good coach. So when you see your child doing something good, call them out, be very specific about the behavior that you saw and that you're proud of them. That will give them a sense of self-efficacy and encourage them to do it more. Um, when they're struggling, pull them to the sideline, give them a little, a little pep talk, a little tip, then send them back in the game. And then periodically have these, these brief huddles where you just sit for two minutes, five minutes and have these teachable moments. I think it's very important that we don't pull children aside for long lectures. It's not how they're going to learn this. Um, and then the last thing when we talk about a good coach for your child is, is to allow some mistakes. They're learning in this process. And so uh, not, to, not to harp too much when they're struggling, but again, use that as an opportunity to learn and grow. And a good coach is a good example. And living in the world that we live in right now, parents might be just as stressed or more than the kids themselves. And just like you mentioned, they mirror what we're doing. So maybe like any kind of last words of advice for parents, to what we can do to calm so we can be able to calm you know, our kids because it kind of starts with self-care. Thank you for saying that. You know, the, it does start with self-care. I do encourage um, parents to manage their own anxieties. And really one of the ways of, of teaching your, one of the benefits of actually teaching your child anxiety is you're going to grow from it yourself. And so I love teaching relaxation uh, exercises and some of these strategies to children. I find it very beneficial for myself as well. And, and so uh, parents managing their own anxiety is going to be important. I think that the next tip for parents is that we're all going to struggle at various times. So use your, use your community, use your, use your tribe, your resources. If you're going to have a bad week or a bad two weeks, lean on somebody and let them help you through that time. They're going to need you at another point in time as well. But maybe, you know, taking time to take care of yourself, that is good care for your child. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Benur. Are there any last words of advice or thoughts you'd like to leave us before we end this podcast? You know, one thing I, I'd like parents to know is that there's always helpful resources out there. Uh, one great place to start is uh, the Anxiety Disorders Association of America. It's adaa.org. 
They've got some wonderful resources. Uh, and I would encourage you to look more into this uh, if you have interest or concerns. And the other thing that I, that I often tell my parents and families is this is a journey. And so good luck and enjoy the journey. Thank you, Dr. Benor, for being here today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment with Cleveland Clinic Children's Behavioral Specialists, please call 216-448-6110. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Health Essentials, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcast. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest health tips, news, and information.